1980, Diana Ross released the song, I'm Coming Out. Having reached on the charts that year, and now having been viewed over five million times on YouTube and sampled by P. Diddy, covered by Iggy Azalea, and even the trolls, most of us can sing some, if not all, of the lyrics to this popular chorus. I'm coming out. I want the world to know. Got to let it show. I see somebody waving hands. There you go. For more than 30 years, this song has been popular and resonated with many different communities. It's probably most widely known as an anthem for the LGBTQ community. It's understandable why, because this song is the celebration of the freedom of living out and proud and free. But this song resonates for many of us, with many of us, for many different reasons. Because many of us, at some point or another, have decided to come out of our hidden places. Many of us know what it's like to live in fear of what other people will think or say or do if they know who we really are and what we really believe. And so, if you aren't hiding right now, at some point in your life, you've retreated to a hiding place, hoping that as long as you remain unseen, there you'll remain safe. That's where the disciples find themselves in today's passage from John. On the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were locked behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. On the evening of the day that Jesus had risen from the grave, the disciples were somewhere in a room cowering in fear. They had a good reason to be afraid. In recent days, they had witnessed their leader be arrested, tortured, and brutally executed. And just as his disciples had seen what could happen to him, they feared that they could be next, that they too could be arrested, tortured, and killed. But in a twist of dramatic irony, you and I know something that they don't seem to know or at the very least, they don't believe it. Jesus is alive. Though he lay in the tomb all night Friday night and lay there all night Saturday night, early on Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. Mary Magdalene had seen him dressed in dazzling white clothes. She had seen the stone rolled away. And she had gone to tell this good news to the other disciples. And yet here they are, barricaded in a room, hiding in fear. While their fears weren't unfounded, the truth was they had more to be excited about than they had to be fearful of. But fear had convinced the disciples that they needed to hide instead of running through the streets rejoicing that Jesus is risen. The same is often true for us. At times when we should be out, proud, and proclaiming the truth, fear causes us to hide ourselves. We hide behind political and religious ideology. We hide behind our wealth, our titles, our degrees. We hide behind our accomplishments or even our children's school. 
But God is saying to someone today that it's time to come out. It's time to walk into the purpose, the promise, the possibilities that God has for your life. Now, I know that coming out is easier said than done. We often know what it is that we should do, but it takes courage to actually do it. And so how do we find the strength to come out when we are so afraid? How can we stand outside the expectations of the world around us when there is much to fear? Well, I submit to you today that God isn't asking you to do this on your own. The Bible says that before Jesus sent his disciples out, he first entered in. He moved beyond their barricades and he met them where they were. And just as he did that day 2,000 years ago, he comes into our hidden places and meets us where we are. He recognized that day what the disciples lacked, and he equipped them and is still equipping us to emerge from the secret place. The first thing that Jesus gives them that day when he appears to them is his peace. He says, peace be with you. This was a common greeting among them, but Jesus wasn't simply making small talk with his disciples. Peace be with you. What Jesus is offering them this day is God's gift of wholeness and rest. He's offering them the ability to be still, to not let their lives be ruled by fear. He's offering peace that calms their hearts and their minds even when chaos is going on around them. This was the same peace that Jesus offered when he was about to die, saying, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Sometimes when think, we think that when we have peace, this means that our circumstances will automatically change, that all of our troubles will be over, that all of our problems will be resolved. But peace does not always change our external circumstances. Jesus doesn't change anything that's happening outside of those locked doors. But Jesus changes what's happening on the inside of his disciples. Sometimes when Christ offers you peace, all hell will still be breaking out in the world around you. You may still have to face a scary doctor's report. We still have to deal with the threat of nuclear war. We still have to worry about what the tweeter-in-chief is going to say next. We still worry about our children. We still worry about our jobs. We still worry about our families. But peace helps us to be calm. And peace allows us to unlock the door and to emerge into the world and to do the work that God is calling us to do. Christ offers peace that the world didn't give and peace that the world can't take away. It's a gift given to us and it's a gift that we're called to share and that's why we stood up earlier in the service and shared peace with one another. But God isn't just calling us to be peacekeepers, God is also calling us to be peacemakers. We're called to continue Jesus' ministry of proclaiming good news to the poor and freedom to the prisoner, of giving sight to the blind. 
He's still calling us to upend and uproot systems that take away other people's peace and systems that perpetuate chaos in the world. Jesus gave them peace and calls us to give it to each other. And not only does he give them peace, but in that room that day, he gave them power. Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He doesn't give them power so that they can stay in the house and so that they can make manna fall from heaven so that they can be comfortable and never have to go out and face their fears, but he gives them power as he sends them out. This wasn't the kind of power that the world values. He doesn't give them power to overcome the strength of the Roman government. He doesn't give them power that will gain them wealth or social status or a better education. He doesn't even give them power to retaliate against their persecutors. But John records that he gives them power to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to give food to the hungry and clothes to the poor. He gave them power that would allow them to withstand persecution and to proclaim God's kingdom. He gave them power that would allow them to build a community that everybody would be able to share and have what they need. This power is foolish by our standards. The world tells us that we need the kind of power that will allow us to advance our own agenda, that we need a promotion so that we can tell other people what to do, that we need more money so that we can buy all of the things that we want to have, that we need a car that can own the highway. But if we aren't careful, a quest for power can lead us into trouble. We can recount innumerable instances where power corrupted people or people began to abuse it. Bob Ingersoll once wrote that nothing discloses real character like the use of power. It's easy for the weak to be gentle, but if you wish to know what a person really is, give him power. God doesn't give us power to abuse, but power to love. Not power to elevate ourselves, but power to elevate one another. Power to forgive and power that we can share. So Jesus gives them peace and he gives them power. And there's one more thing that he gives them that day before he sends them out. They need proof. As you might recall, Mary Magdalene had already told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. She had been at the empty tomb. She had seen the stone rolled away. But the other disciples still didn't believe. And so Jesus shows up to them that day and shows his wounded hands and his wounded side so they wouldn't just hear the good news, but so they would believe it. And some of us in here today are still in need of proof. We've heard that Jesus is alive. We've heard that dead situations can have new life. We've heard that we don't have to fear because Jesus has overcome the world but we still need some proof. One of my seminary professors, Luke Timothy Johnson, said that there may be no scientific proof of the resurrection, but we can agree that something happened all those years ago. 
And the reason we know that something happened is because the people who were still walking and talking had an experience that made them run and tell the good news. They experienced something that let them know that the risen Lord was yet alive. And I've been wondering what that means for us who weren't privileged to live all those years ago. How can we have proof of the resurrection? How and where can we experience the risen Lord in our lives today? And I want to say to you this morning that you are the proof. We are the proof. Our lives are the proof of the resurrection. Many of you can testify about the areas in your life that were dead and now are alive again. Dead marriages, dead dreams, dead-end jobs, dead relationships. But we've witnessed God breathe new life into those situations. And when we testify to the goodness of God in our own lives, we are living proof of the resurrection. When we say to somebody, look at the places in my life that were once dead and now alive again, we can prove and show them that God is still at work in the midst of us. There's power in our story. There's power in our testimony. When I was a little girl, I would start service every Sunday and the old people would get up in what we call devotion service. And they would get up, and when I was a kid, it felt like they went on and on and on about what the Lord had done in their lives. And I didn't understand it then. I didn't understand why I needed to hear about when they were sick and when they were depressed and when they almost lost their homes and when their children were on drugs. But as I became older, I understood that when we hear what God has done for other people, that gives us hope about what God can do for us. And so we don't have to be afraid or ashamed or embarrassed about the dead places in our lives, but it's our testimony that speaks to the work that God is doing. Be the proof for somebody. Show them that God is working among us. But in case that's not good enough for you, that brings us to my favorite part of this whole story. After through all of this with the disciples, there was still one more who didn't believe. The one that we've come to know as Doubting Thomas. Thomas says to the others that unless he sees the mark of the, hand of the nails, he will not believe. And so without any of their begging or without any rebuke, Jesus shows up one week later. Though he had given proof to Mary Magdalene, and though he had given proof to the other disciples, Jesus thought it not robbery to show up one more time. And he shows up and he shows himself to Thomas and he asks Thomas to touch him. And he does this because he doesn't just want to send the disciples out, but he wants to send them out without a doubt. And for that person in here today who's still waiting on the proof that you need, I dare you to call on Jesus and ask him to show up in the way you need him to. Show himself to you. Make his plan clear for your life. Because God is saying today it's time for you to out. But God isn't just going to send you out. He's going to send you out without a doubt. So come out, come out wherever you are. 
You may have been afraid before, but the resurrection brings a new day. And there's, as Diana Ross said, a new me coming out. And I just have to live. I'm completely positive. I'm coming out. I want the world to know. And it's time to let it show. I'm coming out without a doubt. And I hope that you'll come out with me. <laughs>